welcome to episode two of the Redeeming Church podcast, where we discuss what redeeming the church from the inside looks like, so it can be the redeeming bride that Christ calls it to be. And I am joined by Mike Weiss, as always. Hello, Mike. Hello. In this episode, we're discussing some of the flaws that we see in the church. But we'll also discuss why you should be in community with one anyway. But before we jump in, I'd love to read our theme first, just to give us uh, some direction, set the tone, our filter through why we're doing what we're doing. Ephesians 2, 20 through 21. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Mike, you doing okay today? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm doing all right. Andrew, we said in our first episode that we wanted to avoid this podcast becoming a, a venting session for a couple of, of good reasons. One, we, we don't want to be another critical voice. And, uh, and two, we also don't want to run the risk of losing our jobs as pastors. That would be unfortunate. Amen. Amen. But we, we do have to discuss some of the flaws that we are seeing. But before we do that, I felt it was important to talk about why we're committed, why we're committed regardless of the church's flaws. And so what was the what was the moment or the person, the, the community that, that drew you to God's people? What were the things, Andrew, that, that for you, like when you when you get really discouraged about the church, what are the things that hold you that, that allow you to hold on uh, despite the, the challenges? Good question. Good question. Uh, it's interesting. Someone told me early on in ministry that we are batteries and everybody in the church or in our lives really either charges you. Or it depletes you. Mm-hmm. Like, Ooh, I found that to be so true. You got to make sure that you get a good balance of the chargers and the depleters. Not that everyone's not a child of God that we want to love, uh, but got to make sure that you are being encouraged. Uh, so for me, I I've always been a people person. Um, senior year of high school, superlative. I was voted most likely to brighten your day. So hopefully, I brighten your day, Mike. You do, Andrew. Every day. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. So my top strengths in StrengthsFinder is Woo, W-O-O, which stands for winning others over. And one of my favorite lines from that description, which totally describes me, is there's no such thing as a stranger. There are just friends that I haven't met yet. And uh, that's totally and, me. And, and as an introvert, I... I I quiver from from that. But it's like your least your least strength. <laughs> like, like strangers keep me away. Um, so, but really, the moment that drew me into ministry was um, I worked at a two different summer camps, one for two summers and one for four summers, and did a year internship. And just being a camp counselor, um, getting to see these kids come in week after week, not knowing Christ, um, some of them, and learning about Him, accepting Him, getting to see the joy. Uh, the experience that they have from learning about Christ for the first time that that hit my heart and felt the call and the move to like, this is what I need to be doing um, this with my life. And so I actually got into camping ministry at first for a couple of years of my career, but then made the shift to church ministry because uh, I wanted to be in a more relational role. Uh, camp is a lot of task work throughout the year. Um, anyway, so that is 
that is what drew me into ministry. Probably not like one moment, but just seeing those kids week after week, summer after summer, tilled my heart to go into the ministry. How about you, Mike? My uh, my family had bounced around from church to church uh, when I was a kid, and it never really felt like we we had a home. Like I knew it was good. Uh, to be in a church, but we never really found that church home. And some churches that we went to were were either pretty legalistic by nature, and then we went to one that was more uh, attractional, but surface level. So no, not, neither one of them had really helped me to feel connected, but uh, I was still in a place where I was seeking some sort of a faith community. And, and so my senior year of high school, I was invited by a friend to uh, to come to this youth group. And I remember thinking, youth groups are lame. <laughs> Why would I want to go to one of those, totally. but decided to give it a shot. Uh, and now uh, kind of the, the long story short was just, you know, found, I think for the first time, community of, of students that were very real about their faith. Uh, we're not trying to put on this face of being perfect and uh, rather at a place of wanting to grow, wanting to listen. And for me, that was just really appealing. And I wanted to be in those people and with, and I wanted to be in that group of people uh, who, who are wanting to grow and know more of who this Jesus is. And, yeah, and, you know, uh, this is the same youth group that I'm pastoring right now. The same, uh, mm. some of the same relationships. I, I are, not lame anymore, is it? No, not lame anymore. <laughs> Although I got to try to convince other students that. But uh, yeah, there's just been a lot of relationships that have come out of that that have been, been, been huge, uh, and have helped me to grow. And one of the big reasons why I love the church I'm at right now is because there are some of those same relationships that are still going today, and, and people that I just love to to be invested with and to live life with. And so. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the big thing of what's kept me uh, within a church is it's the relationships that have been formed along the way. Relationships. I was an RA for a couple of years in college, and they said one of the primary reasons that freshmen that don't come back for their sophomore year, one of the primary reasons they don't is because they fail to make any kind of significant relationship right. in their freshman year. Yeah. And so relationships are what draw you back. Right. So diving into our topic for the day, um, the major flaws of the church, <laughs> but why you should still be in one. We could definitely point out things in the history of the church, uh, so many things uh, that happened, why the church has missed the mark, even though they definitely hit the mark on a lot of things, uh, definitely some big areas where we've missed. What we do see as some of the flaws within the last five to 10 years Mike, start us off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought it would be helpful for our discussion. Um, a friend of mine sent me uh, this tweet that caught my attention. Now, I always want to be careful when we use uh, Twitter. Uh, we're not we're not looking for Twitter to be. Uh, Twitter is the truth, Mike. No. Well, there's a lot of things on Twitter and, and maybe some truth and, and some not. But, um, uh, you know, I there was uh, this sent to me by, by a guy named at Rev Daniel. Don't know this guy, but I assume he's a reverend. If uh, if he's got Rev in his uh, in his handle, named after a biblical character, so so I mean, make, makes sense. But uh, so here's his here's what he wrote, and uh, I wanted to see: Do we agree? Do we disagree? Uh, do we feel like this isn't as extreme? Uh, you, you can tell me. But here's here's what he says: he, Christianity is being persecuted, but not by liberals or government, Muslims, atheists, or secularism. What is driving people out of the church, crushing faith, crushing faith, leaving people traumatized, angry at religion, and afraid, apathetic to God, faster than anything outside the church, are the Christians within who prioritize law over love, power over people, 
judgment over grace. Christianity was never supposed to be about dominating society, but uplifting it, and you can't lift it up if you're already on, already on top. When Christians cry about losing their freedom, they are really crying over losing their dominance. They want to be Caesar's empire, not God's kingdom. People have not turned away from Christ. They have turned away from a religion that worships the idols of political and economic power, slept a cross on it, and tossed the gospel of Jesus aside, along with its demand for justice, reconciliation, and service to the most powerless. So this is a lot, Andrew. This is this is a you know quite a chunk and quite a critique uh, mm-hmm. of the church. You know, he writes a little more about things he's been encouraged by, but but sticking to this, this is a, a bold take. Do we do we agree with at Rev Daniel? Do we see it differently? What do you think? Mm, Good question. I have a lot of thoughts about this. I'm going to try to keep them condensed, and you can feel free to fast forward through my thoughts. So I agree and disagree. Definitely. Sure. I agree with really everything he said, um, but I think that his argument ultimately is too reductionistic. I think it uh, is boiling it down too much, which is part of what people try to do on Twitter is to yep. is to say things in a way that are going to get people to read it and get responses. Yes, oh, you only have so many characters. So to, many characters. To, he, to he, he used all of them. He used all of them. <laughs> So I think that we saw a generation 40 to 70 years ago, which I can speak on because I was alive then, from what I know and have heard, that was focused on holiness, focused on a respect for God. And I think that this created an intense culture of legalism over love, of works over grace a lot of times, not all the time. And it created a very judgmental and be perfect, do-gooder atmosphere. And on the flip side, we're seeing our generation swing the opposite way which is probably true of all generations in history, to swing too violently to the other side of what you saw your parents do. Our generation, I think, can tend to focus so much on it's not about what you do, it's about loving God. and He loves you. Mm-hmm. Jesus is my homeboy. Oh, man, I have thoughts <laughs> about that phrase. Both of these things, these different ways of looking at it and approaching God, boil God down into one or two characteristics, and that is what is focused on about God. The first problem makes God into a cold lawgiver, leads to an atmosphere of not questioning things as well as ignoring the real world problems that people have because people should just obey and get with the program. Coincidentally, uh, I looked up a poll on Barna about this. Ooh, we're bringing, we're bringing are, in numbers. I know, getting official. Uh, these are the number one and number six reasons why young people leave the church today. Because the church is too overprotective, wanting to separate too much from the world they live in. And because in too many churches, there is no room for doubt to bring Mm -hmm. difficult questions. Mm -hmm. So the second problem with our generation is that it makes God into a shallow, love is all you need entity. Coincidentally, again, the number two reason young people are leaving the church is because their experience of Christianity is shallow. Mm. According to the study by Barna, they say the Bible is not taught clearly or often enough, and God seems missing from a church experience. So, in my mind, my estimation, looking at all those things, it seems like there's this correct balance of both of these sides that we need to have. Um, Mm. Obviously not focusing on just one characteristic of God and that becoming your Christianity. We need to have absolute respect for God, Jesus' commandments, but also we live the sacrificial life of love and grace and mercy. They go hand in hand, not one or the other. He's not just law and he's not just love. He is all of those things. 
and to omit any part of that and to focus your Christianity and your faith on one of those things or on, or on a different characteristic, but just choose one is to create a false caricature of God and to create a straw man fallacy in who God really is. Mike, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, let me go back, because uh, uh, I, I think you and I are, are similar in that. I, I think back to Rev. Daniel, there, there is a lot that I, I think I agree with on his assessment. Now, I, I don't believe, though, that that, that that is every church out there. Right. I, I think Absolutely. There's, I think there's a lot of generalization that's, that's happening. Sure. And I think, I think there is a lot of generalization in, in general, right? Sure. <laughs> that's, yes. That sounds redundant, but... Uh, I actually believe that there, and I know of many churches who are who are doing some amazing amazing things for Jesus mm-hmm. and um, are are pointing people back to a God of love and a God of justice. I think it's fair to say for the church in America, we've got a tale of, of, of two extremes. And you were talking about this in, in regards to just generations, but it seems like you've got you got one group that really values the idea of, of America being a Christian nation, and we mm. should hold to that. Mm. And then you've got another group which would say that. Uh, the church needs to better practice what they preach, um, but then also at least to the side of bending some theological mm-hmm. things as a way to make their practice consistent with culture. And um, I would say that the that the that the flaw across the church in America uh, is that we are not good uh, we're we're not good at being both faithful to Christian orthodoxy or core doctrine. And uh, we're not always great at being uh, good at orthopraxy, living out our doctrine. So kind of what you're saying, right? We There there are two important things to hold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would sum it down to loving God, loving our neighbors, mm-hmm. and think both those things are supposed kind of, to go hand mean, in hand. You mean kind of what Jesus boiled it down right, to. Right, <laughs> right. Those things are, are supposed to are supposed to go together. Yep. I think we see a lot of one being practiced o- over the other, yep. uh, where maybe you've got churches that are, you know, will really be good at, at Bible study, but don't practice it. And, and then look judgmental or legalistic. And then you got yep. other churches that uh, are, are going to be so surface level, but they'll practice loving, loving others. But then when it comes down to well, what is, what is loving, you know, loving the Lord look like yep. there, there's something that's lacking there. And so um, you can't, you can't love and follow God and his commandments without loving others and showing love, grace, and mercy. They right. Are, that, that, that is being obedient to God. Right, right. And, and so I think, I think within the last five to you know, 10 years, um, I, we've, got, we've got parties of people trying to live out just one and not the other, or maybe they're content with living out one and not the other. This is a critique here that I think, I think some people are not going to like uh, <laughs> completely, but... Um, I think we've got people that think the answer to the world's problems is just to have, for example, prayer back in schools, and that's got to take care of everything, or let's elect leaders that will support our views, but they're going to trust in government or, or certain people to live out biblical practices while not living out, living it out on their own. And I think that's a problem. And to be clear, you and I are not advocating that we shouldn't do those things. No, yes, that is a great point of clarification. Absolutely. Right. You bet we should elect leaders that are going to yes. uphold Christian values. And you right. bet we want to have prayer in school. We want to we infiltrate culture with Christ, and that's yeah. part of that. But you're saying that's not what our faith stands on. Right, right. And, and back to you know what, what Daniel said, you know, the, the church doesn't need to dominate society to be successful. I mean, even like just throughout its history, starting the book of Acts going on, like the church when it's on the margins has done pretty well there too, right? Because... In fact, thrived. Yeah, right, right. And our faith was not in 
their faith was not in the political leaders of their day. In fact, the political leaders were, were very much against them. Their faith was in a supreme God of the universe who kept the church going, right? And and that's where our faith and trust, I feel like sometimes I hear too, uh, I hear people who will make the, the point that, you know, unless so-and-so gets elected, for example, like this, like this world's in trouble. Um, and I've heard that from both sides, right? Like this is both conservative and liberal kind of follower of Christ where, where, I have to, where we have to remind them, well, hang on a second. Our faith doesn't come from, from them. It's from something bigger. And I don't think that God thinks the world is in trouble. I think that he's okay with what happens. Sure. And in fact, right. has a plan for it. And in right. fact, knew what was going to happen. Yeah, well, God, God is sovereign. And, and I think that's, that's a lesson for both, you know, for both sides of the equation. You know, I think of the, another group of people who, who think that the, that the world, that we can save the world if we apply biblical practices, but we don't point people back to a, a, a God of saving grace. And I don't think that's effective either. So I think we've got both of these sides social of the spectrum. Justice. Right, social justice, which we're, we're for seeing biblical justice happen. But if, uh, if our world is still broken, I mean, well, we could fix one issue, then another one's going to pop up. And this is going to be the case until until Jesus comes back. And it, And it's with social justice, it's the difference between doing something for the good of that person, their physical needs often, versus doing that as well, because Jesus also provided for physical needs all the time. Yeah. Not just spiritual needs. But when we travel to a different country to help build a well, but then don't hold the church service to preach the gospel and really dive into right. that, we're missing it. It is, they go hand in hand. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you and I seem to be in agreement that that both of these the idea of, I mean, if we were to sum it up to like loving God, loving our neighbor, those are both really important and really needed. And there's a reason why Jesus, when he when he is preaching to uh, the people of his time, is having has both of those in the same teaching, right? Because you, you don't just focus on one over the other. And I, I do feel like that's where I think churches are. I feel like I talk to pastors in our church, like we struggle with that balance, right? You, no one gets it right. But uh, that is something that is still worth striving for but that we keep missing out on. So Andrew, imagine we're talking to someone who is on the fence as to whether or not they should be in a church. Maybe they're, they're going, this church is way too flawed. Why be a part of a church? Why not just live out my, you know, my Christianity on my own where I can do my own Bible studies or I can, I can love people on my own. Why should they still seek one out? Why should they still be uber committed to one? What are you thinking? Got a couple passages that I've been thinking about for this. Why should you go to church? That's a flawed institution. We stink. We get things wrong all the time. Going to go to Hebrews 10, 25, which has been quoted a lot in this time, especially by people that are pretty frustrated were shut down and couldn't go to church, which certainly I was frustrated too, who... Who doesn't want to be in that community? You can only watch church on YouTube for so long before you, you get tired. But I, Unless you use it to put you to sleep, in which case it's very, <laughs> very effective. So I'll jump back to verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, that the day of his return is drawing near. We don't go to church because we were taught to do that as kids, because our pastors say to, because it's the right thing to do. 
We go to church because it is hard to be a Christian in this world. And that is growing more and more true every day. And for the first, second, third century church, it was very hard. They were being lit up as human torches. They were being persecuted and murdered. And they needed to meet together to encourage each other, to spur each other on, mm-hmm. to learn about this book that they didn't have copies of. So that's how it started is out of this desperate need to be together and encourage each other. We are in that time more and more every day to be strong in Christ. We need to be in numbers. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, like iron sharpens iron to one man sharpens mm-hmm. another. We can't do this life alone. And regardless of whether the church misses things or is flawed, we need to come like we're doing right now with this podcast, be a part of the solution. Yep. Because the alternative is to not go to church and not be in community. And right. guarantee that is a recipe for failure and to fall away from your faith and to be discouraged and given to the ways of the world. So right. there you go. Right. That's what I think. What do you think, Mike? No, I think that's well, I, I think that's good. And you know, it seems like we've got a generation of people that really do want to be a part of a church, yeah. right? And I think sometimes there there is that fear that like, like, I don't want to end up at a church that's broken. And it's like, well, every church is broken, right? Yep. It's full of broken people. And it's going to be that way. But you're right. We do need other believers. And they're imperfect believers, but we, we still need one another. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. We, we, we got to be looking for... Yeah, we, we, we can't be doing this walk on our own. We just can't. We're, we're not we're not good. No man can be an island, especially as a, as a believer. As discouraged as, 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 as I and we can be about the state of the church in America, uh, I really do believe God wants to use the church. And, uh, you know, the, the passage I was thinking of was Acts chapter 2, uh, 42 through 47. I won't, I won't read the whole thing, but to give a, a summary, right? Like you have, this is the birth of the church. Where you, had the, where you had the disciples who were who were with Jesus, who now were without him, uh, they are impacted by the Holy Spirit, and then this causes all these crazy things to happen. And as a result of um, of, of them proclaiming the gospel, um, now that you've got a gathering of people who are devoted to the teachings uh, of the, the disciples, they're filled with awe, there are signs and wonders, there's breaking of bread, there's selling of possessions. And, and, you know, in the book of Acts, like we, you know, we sometimes we, we read the book of Acts and go, man, wouldn't that just be a great church to be to be with? And let's sell everything. Yeah, right. Together. Right. And I think I think we sometimes forget that the, that the church in Acts and how as the church grew, it 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 had some issues coming from the outside, but also internal issues like there there was a church split. Right. There were there were things that were. They were needing to be dealt with. The church was not perfect. Oh, no. Church members murdered by God for lying. Uh, right, right. That, yeah. you know. Well, glad we don't see that stuff anymore. Um, but um, our, our world is so different from that of the, the early church. But I do love the vision of this. I love the vision of, of, of through the Holy Spirit, God is bringing people together to hear teachings, to be in community, to have others who are seeking the Lord and learning. I, I think God is eager to use those churches. So when someone comes up to me and says, I think the church is failing, and I'm like, maybe the church as an institution is, but God is not. Like God is going to use this community of believers, this imperfect group of, of believers to, to, to fulfill his mission, whatever way that looks like. And that could be... For for those of us who are uh, who are in a church and, and yes we we recognize that there is flaws within it God is still going to use that community God is still going to to do that and God is devoted to the church and we should be too if Jesus is devoted to uh, for the church to be His bride 
and we're trying to live like Jesus, that means that we too should be devoted to a, uh, a, a faith community, that we should be devoted to um, being a part of, of the church. And that's going to mean doing the hard work uh, and, and, and being in. And like, like this whole podcast is the idea of redeeming church. You can't redeem something from the outside. Christ didn't redeem us from the outside. Yeah, right? Christ came to earth and became one of us. Yep. And dove right in to redeem us. Yep. And he didn't have to do that. Perhaps that is a model he was showing us. Yeah, I think that's great. Now, you know, if, if we're talking about it, so if, you, if you're listening to this and wondering, okay, this is good stuff, but uh, the church that Which, I'm at. Of course you're saying that. Yes, right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're flexing we right now. You. You, you're probably looking at your church and going, well, my church is really flawed. What do I do? Like, how do I help to be the change on the inside? Andrew, I thought, what, what are a couple, uh, some specific points that we could, we could bring up or things that maybe we've done that have worked or maybe things that haven't worked that we would try differently? So I think I think the big thing is to look at your own life, um, which I do not do enough in my own life because you bet there's things I need to work on because it starts with modeling it yourself, right? Yeah. As we all know, it, it if you're not modeling, loving God, loving others, these core doctrines yourself, then uh, if I'm not doing that myself, any change I want to make is going to be muted hypocrisy. It's going to be, it will be hypocritical. Yep. And not that I'm never going to do everything perfect myself. But if I'm not out of humility, intentionally seeking to do that core doctrine, to do what Christ said myself, then trying to take the speck out of the church's eye is going to be tough. So that's what I would say. I would say it starts with you, starts with me, living that out in our own lives to be that model and to be that example, uh, to be the one that people want to follow. And so when you, not only because you're being obedient to Christ and that's the right thing to do, but then when you speak, it has weight behind it. When you speak into a situation, people listen because they see that in your own life. So that's where I would start. I think we all have areas. I've heard it described, you know, our life is a wheel and we have these different spokes that make up the wheel and they're all different mm -hmm. areas of our life. And if you're great at one and terrible at another, that, that's, those spokes are not even and the wheel looks distorted and doesn't roll quite as well. So just identifying those spokes in your life that are that need to be addressed and we all have them always <laughs> so it's mm -hmm. it's a constant sanctification process to look at those spokes and see what are we doing that could be could be better in our lives yeah you know andrew uh i'm thinking of a verse that uh as all good christians do. yes yes as a yeah, for us as pastors it's good to have uh, in our mind uh, we're constantly thinking of verses yes but uh <laughs> you know if you if you're if you're a a younger individual trying to be in a, in a community and maybe you're seeing some, you know, people older than you, uh, maybe who are, are missing the mark. And, you know, like you said, Andrew, like we got to look at our hearts first, but I, I think of what first Timothy four twelve says for some of you, this might be your life first, but it, it is applicable here. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech in conduct and love and faith and in purity. And I think of uh, Paul writing to Timothy, this young pastor, trying to encourage him that, yes, you may have people that are that are older than you, and maybe they've got a lot more life experience, but here's what you need to do, right? Like set, set the example uh, in your own life and, and be about these things. And, you know, I think the, I think the Lord will take care of the rest. Um, you know, I think on my part, I think of an application point for someone who's listening to this, you know, if you're looking at ways to be committed to the church, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. Either you're, you're helping to participate in, in some of the 
maybe initiatives that your church is doing. Maybe you're participating in membership. I think membership is a huge part of, of, of church involvement, right? Like, you know, if belonging to a church and, and being a voice on the inside, even if your voice doesn't get listened to right away, it, it is still good to be within that level. And then hopefully, you know, as time and as you build relationships, there's some credibility built up um, that where, where people go, okay, so, so, so-and-so believes this. And, you know, I, I think my personal experience, I have found that it is, it is good to talk to your leaders. I, th- I think it is good to talk to your leaders about your concerns. I think sometimes uh, we might feel that it is intimidating to talk to a pastor or an elder board member, but I would, for the pastors I know, if they're good, godly men, they're going to want to listen. That also means you're willing to listen as well uh, when they when they talk about their perspective. But uh, I, I think we we sometimes think that the best course of action when when something isn't right in the, in the church is to just leave it uh, without saying anything, without bringing up any points or. or and I, I think that's actually uh, I've seen that a lot, mm. and I don't know if that's helpful. I don't mm. know if it's helpful to just to just straight up leave and not bring your concerns or your critiques and, and doing so in a loving way. I don't like the color of that carpet. Right, I'm right. Start my own church i will i will go and and we will have carpet tiles i don't know um <laughs> i i clearly don't own a house uh, i still live in an apartment but you know that that's a i think those are those are conversations and relationships back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this you know it's it's those relationships that are impactful um and and for us staying at a church but also those relationships are helpful for having good dialogue and good discussion this is why as I'm experiencing even just uh, just the other day, uh, when you when posting something on Facebook or Twitter, uh, it's probably not always going to, uh, you know, create a, a great dialogue, um, as I experienced, as I, I posted something and, and some what? people you did, I did, and, and people have got different opinions on it. That's fine. And I don't mind. And for my part, I'm planning on, on trying to connect with these people more on a one on one because that's where I feel like dialogue can happen mm. when we've got differing opinions. And, mm. and that's something we need to be, we need to be good at is being able to sit with people, have good dialogue, have those relationships. And any good leader, any good leader wants feedback, yeah. desires feedback, yeah. recognizes that they're not doing everything perfect and they want to be well-rounded. I want to see my ministries run great. And I'm under no assumption that, that I'm the guy to make that happen all the time. And so any good leader wants good feedback, criticism, constructive helpful criticism from a humble heart that's coming yeah we we got anything else andrew anything else on that topic that we feel like i mean we 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 don't have all the answers for sure and and yes are just most of them yeah just most of them um boy we gotta be careful how we say that because otherwise people will will believe that then they'll try these things and fail and go what the heck andrew and mike um yeah i i think our, our last encouragement to to anyone if, if you're on the fence about being a part of a church look you're going to make more of a difference being within a church than being on the outside and and that's where we'd encourage you if you're on the fence and, and maybe there are good reasons to leave leave a church we'll talk about that in another another episode i'm sure but uh, at the same time if you're a part of one um just be, be in it and be an example love god love others you know, First Timothy four twelve. Keep those things in mind, and and we we believe the Lord is going to bless it and bless your efforts in some way. Yeah, and don't put your faith in men. Don't yeah. put your faith in the government. Put your faith in the Lord. And I know that seems like an obvious statement to say, and that's what we say we believe as followers of Christ. But too often you do see people whose identities seem to be wrapped up in things that aren't Christ, and so when those things don't go well. 
like government, like elected leaders, like a job, like a family, you see faith start to crumble. Mm -hmm. And the church can be one of those things when you see the church not going well. People can have put their faith in that or church leaders, which will fail you. We could write a list of names so long of mega pastors and churches, leaders just in the last 50 years that have crashed and burned because of immorality, because of poor choices. Most recently, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a tough, tough situation. And you know someone who goes to school there and just a tough situation. But when your faith is in a leader like that, and then when those things happen that they're proved to be human, it can affect your faith. Your faith is in the Lord. Yep. So, so therefore, be okay when your church struggles. Be okay when there's hardships and things that aren't going well. But be a part of the solution. Like you just said, we'll address it. We'll address it in another episode, but leaving a church should be a weighty decision that should yes. take a lot of time right? and be years in the making potentially. And so dive in, be messy. Christianity is messy. People are messy. And dive into that mess as our Savior did and help to help to redeem it back to Christ. And then be be excited for how God can use messy people to do some some pretty amazing things. And we've seen that. And I think that's another reason why we we are committed to the church because we're we believe God is a God is a redeemer of people and God will use redeemed, albeit imperfect people, to help redeem others. And in fact, that's the only kind of person that God uses is messy people. Yeah. Because we're all messy people. Every single one of us. Well, not you, Andrew, as you as you always say. Well, I was gonna say I'm better than most, but <laughs> still, there's 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 work to be done. There's work to be done. Okay, there we go. Episode two. Yeah, flaws in the church and how to fix them. Yeah, Andrew, do we got any thank yous that we want to anyone that we want to shout out to uh, after this week's episode? For those of you who don't remember, we don't have any sponsors yet, but yet. We, we do have people that help make this podcast possible that we still like to thank. You got anyone in particular on this episode? Um, you know, I am going to thank the two people who gave us five-star reviews so far hey, on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely. Thanks to you, anonymous, unknown, unnamed friends of the podcast. <laughs> um, you know, I hate it when podcasts give plugs to like, hey, go rate and review our podcast because it helps you get more bumps and more views or whatever. So anyway, we won't say that stuff really very much if at all but hey thanks to you who did that we we will say it is nice to be liked uh, validation yes i put my faith in ratings so yes my my faith is in people giving us good good feedback yep so mike any thank yous for you well andrew i, I think this week i just think of how this podcast could not have happened without our good friends at stone creek coffee still and the in the still and always and the amount of caffeine that it takes to put this podcast together they help supply that so thanks stone creek we appreciate you guys and consider Consider us. Yes, please. Consider us your friends. Or a bag of coffee would be great as well. Well, thank you, our audience, for whoever is listening to this. Whenever you are listening to this, it's because of the Lord and you that we have these conversations that we discuss this, diving into this. So as always, we would love to hear from you. You can find our contact information in the show notes, wherever you're getting your podcasts. Feel free to reach out to us because we do love criticism. Uh, constructive criticism love love to hear from people and if we said anything wrong let us know and we'll either disagree with you or we'll correct it on the next episode um, that mike said wrong just 
pretty sure I didn't say anything wrong. So, uh, until next time, I am Andrew. And I'm Mike. And this was episode two of the Redeeming Church podcast. Mm-hmm.